I'm on the line from Louisville, Kentucky with Jesus Ibanez. Jesus is a member of Mi Gente and is also a participant in Occupy ICE, that's Immigration and Customs Enforcement, in Louisville, Kentucky. Jesus, welcome to No One's Legal Radio. Thank you for having me. Jesus, uh, tell us about what's happening in Louisville, Kentucky, vis-a-vis the occupation of the Immigration and Customs Enforcement facility there. So, yeah, so uh, we started with, with some action this past uh, Saturday. Uh, MoveOn.org put on uh, rallies across the nation for uh, support of families being separated at the border. Uh, it, that's a very problematic tactic because MoveOn.org is a national organization with no real ties to local grassroots organizations that have, that for years and decades have been doing work on the ground uh, surrounding immigrants and immigrants' rights. Uh, so what we did, we disrupted that rally. We overtook that rally and turned it into a march. Uh, we marched about 1,000 people from City Hall, where the rally was uh, staged, uh, to the ICE offices. Uh, once there, uh, Mi Gente Louisville, along with Black Lives Matter Louisville and other organizations, made a call to action that within 48 hours, uh, we were going to put a call for people to put their bodies on the line. Uh, the rallies and liking social media pages were simply not going to do enough if we are to to help families not only at the border but are uh, you know millions of undocumented people across the nation. So uh, the call to action was the Occupy ICE. Obviously, we didn't tell people uh, what, what it was going to be. But on Saturday morning, uh, excuse me, uh, Monday morning at six in the morning, uh, we arrived to ICE offices. Uh, we had a group of about twenty people. Uh, we set up uh, barricades at the uh, en- entrance and exit, uh, car entrance and exit. Uh, we set up a, a three-story banner, uh, another about 10-foot uh, banner said abolish ICE, another one said sanctuary for all. Uh, we set up about 15 tents, 15, 20 tents uh, on the lawn uh, leading to the ICE uh, front door. And uh, so this happened, you know, we were set up by 630 and shortly afterward, about three agents with the Department of Homeland Security uh, told us that we had uh, until 7.30 a.m. to uh, bring down those tents, bring down the tables we had set up, or else they would do it for us. And sure enough, uh, they that's exactly what they did. Uh, they tore down our tents. Uh, they uh, were, were rude. You know, they, they put pallets on top of the tents, uh, tore some tents down on medical supply unit. And, uh, but we are still going strong uh, about, you know, an av- hour after they tore down our tents, uh, we built it right back up in front of the, uh, si- uh on city property. Uh, the issue with them was that we had set up on a federal property and we were not allowed to do so without a permit. So we set up on city property. We, right now there's only about uh, close to 30 tents all lined up across the sidewalk. Uh, of course, uh, DHS called local law enforcement, which is the Louisville Metro Police Department, or LMPD. And they were right there. About six or so uh, patrolmen uh, were standing behind us, intimidating us. Now, this is in direct violation of uh, separation of power ordinance that was passed here in Louisville in October of last year. Under the separation of power ordinance, uh, Louisville Metro Police Department is forbidden to collaborate with federal authorities. It clarifies the role of uh, federal authorities and local uh, law enforcement. And uh, that is important in the context of Louisville because uh, uh, LMPD ha- was existing uh, ICE in the raids of homes, uh, 
they had been separating and tearing immigrant and brown families for, for years. And we were tell, clamoring the mayor to do something about it. And he was saying that this was not happening. Uh, finally, uh, they passed the ordinance. So, so uh, the events on Saturday was a clear indication that the separation of power ordinance uh, has really no teeth. Uh, ICE and LMPD are still collaborating. Uh, throughout the day, uh, dozens of LMPD officials came out and were there uh, watching us, uh, supposedly for our safety. Uh, they set up a tent across the, about 50 feet away from us, uh, directly, uh, you know, across the street, set up their own tent so they can get shade and just be uh, an intimidating force looking at us. Uh, here in Louisville, you know, in the heart of Trump country, uh, people, since we started our sanctuary for all movement, which the uh, separation of power ordinance was a result of that, people have been telling us that, you know, we are chasing uh, this golden goose, right? That we are out of our minds. How could you be advocating something so radical as sanctuary, something so radical as abolishing ICE? And, and we say uh, there is nothing radical about what we are doing. Uh, there is nothing radical about human rights. Uh, there is nothing radical about liberation of oppressed people. Uh, and, and we are here at the camp, and we're not going nowhere. Uh, one of the questions we are being asked left and right is, when are you leaving? Or is there a date, an end date? And that end date is up to the administration. We will be there until ICE is abolished. Jesus, um, give our listeners a sense of the, the, the demographics and political culture in, in Louisville. I mean, you've already alluded to it a bit. You're, you're in Kentucky, which is, you know, in the heart of what's called flyover country. It's a state that voted Trump. Uh, it's a state uh, um, that, is, you know, that is perceived as maybe leaning towards the right. There's one of the senators there is Rand Paul. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time, Louisville is this major metropolis with a, with a strong um, a political culture. So talk about that and how that feeds into um, the movement that you're part of there. Uh, absolutely. So, no, so you, you, you're right. You know, uh, so K- uh, Kentucky is a red state. Uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate leader, majority leader, is our senator, unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, but Louisville is a blue dot in the red state. Uh, there are, you know, left-leaning people. It's a bit more diverse, but there are many Trump supporters here. Uh, uh, for a while, there was like a 30-foot, you know, Confederate uh, monument right in front of the University of Louisville. Uh, it was taken out maybe just two years ago. So that, that, that is definitely the type of uh, demographic we're seeing. But surprisingly here in Louisville, uh, the, the uh, religious organizations, uh, Black Lives Matter, Louisville, uh, Democratic Socialists, the you know uh, Louisville ARA have have been uh, uh, very supportive of uh, people of color, particularly after uh, the presidential election. There was a lot of outrage by white liberals, as noted by the multiple rallies uh, that people have have been doing. But you know rallies are not enough. People want to do something. Uh, this this uh, the, the the state of things in Kentucky are in decline. It's not just the federal government, but it's the state government. Uh, Matt Bevin was elected before Trump, so he was a precursor to Trump, and he's a strong Trump supporter, and he's cutting you know, health insurance. Uh, he is against uh, restoring uh, rights for, for felons. Uh, so if you have a felony in Kentucky, you are never allowed to vote ever again. Uh, so Matt Bevin is against uh, the, the immigrant population. Here locally, our mayor is a neoliberal. Uh, mayor Greg Fisher has been proclaiming the city a compassionate city. 
the name uh, Compassion City is just a name. It has no real tangible policies. Uh, as, I, I, as I said earlier, uh, LMPD uh, was assisting ICE in uh, uh, breaking up families. So th this, uh, th this mayor likes to uh, be in photo ops with immigrants who are opening brand new businesses. Uh, this mayor doesn't care when LMPD is killing a black individuals. Uh, the, the mayor doesn't care that uh, a sizable uh, population are, are uh, LGBTQ youth, about 40% are homeless. He doesn't care there are 10,000 children on the streets. So uh, is, he's just a, a neoliberal who's a Democrat who will be a Republican on the West Coast. And, you know, and groups who are doing uh, the social justice work, uh, as I said, Black Lives Matter, Louisville, they, they see a need for collaboration. Uh, you know, if the Trump administration has showed us anything is that, you know, we can no longer be working in silos. Uh, we have to have a collaborative front, a collaborative effort uh, to uh, bring down this uh, tyrannical regime. Jesus, uh, talk about the dynamics and demographics of migration in the area you're in. As someone observing this from the outside, you know, we, we know uh, about migration patterns in Texas and California. Um, we know that in big cities like New York and Chicago, there are large migrant populations. Who are the people coming through that ICE facility in Louisville? And, and what are the dynamics around migration and undocumented folks in, uh, in Louisville and in Kentucky in general? Sure. Uh, so uh, people are very surprised when I tell them that Kentucky as a whole is uh, home to a sizable refugee and immigrant population. Uh, Kentucky uh, is a relocation home for many refugees from Bosnia, from uh, the former Yugoslavia, people who were escaping uh, the, the wars and the, the Balkan wars of the 1990s. Uh, there's a sizable Vietnamese population, and Louisville is actually home to the third largest Cuban population in the United States. So it's Miami, Las Vegas, and then Louisville for Cubans. Uh, in terms of undocumented individuals, uh, the majority of whom come from uh, Mexico, uh, Central America, um, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. Uh, they, these people uh, come here because of the agriculture, uh, particularly in Louisville and Lexington, which is the next largest city, uh, they go for uh, the horse industry. Uh, we, we, we have a little uh, joke we like to say here that uh, the, the, the horses here in Kentucky speak Spanish uh, because, you know, all the horse trainers, you know, all the, the people who uh, take care of the horses, the majority of whom are immigrants from Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, so uh, you talk to the horse in Spanish and they'll be able to understand you. Uh, so that, that, that is uh, the population they hear. But unfortunately, uh, the, we call it the Latinx population. And those unfamiliar with the term Latinx, uh, Latinx is the gender neutral uh, um, name for Latino or uh, Latina. Well, uh, anyway, uh, here uh, it, it is not as uh, organized as, let's say, New York or Los Angeles or even Seattle. Mijente uh, Luo has been uh, trying to organize politically, uh, try to organize an immigrant rights issue and do away with the respectability po politics. But uh, the, the individuals who are being detained in, in Louisville, the majority of whom are Spanish speakers, but there is a uh, detention center in northern Kentucky in Boone County. Um, it's a, a detention center and serves as a county jail. 
there you see uh, predominantly uh, people from, from uh, Central, Central America, South America, and Mexico, but you also see individuals from African nations, from Somalia, uh, from Sudan, uh, from uh, the Republic of Congo. Uh, you see individuals from uh, Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, uh, Iraqi, you see people who are Iraqis or Iranians. Uh, so it, it runs the gamut here, but the majority of people that I've interact with have been uh, Latinx individuals. Jesus, let's get into some of the broader politics of this, and you've already alluded to it, but let's get into it in more detail. Now, uh, when these protests were called all over the U.S. on um, this past um, Saturday by MoveOn.org, MoveOn.org is notorious as being a, a, an organization affiliated with the Democratic Party. Um, that term, mm-hmm. MoveOn, is back when Bill Clinton was being impeached uh, um, or indicted and might be impeached, and their whole philosophy was, well, let's just move on and get get over mm-hmm. with it. And clearly... Um, you know, opposing the separation of children from their parents is it's not even a left or right wing issue, just a simple moral issue. But uh, it seems like um, a lot of uh, mainstream Democratic politicians and operatives and what have you feel like they can exploit this moment for electoral gain. But demands like abolish ICE or declaring, you know, entire cities, sanctuary cities is something that's a bit too radical for a lot of those Democrats. So talk about that dynamic, especially how it plays out in Louisville and particularly how it's playing out with the Occupy ICE um, movement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, there is in, in this internal debate among uh, the Democrats going on, you know, in Washington right now, uh, somebody who's uh been doing a lot of work in washington i was talking to them earlier this week at the occupy uh ice louisville camp and they were mentioning that democrats are having meeting over this abolish ice movement right now and it's, it seems to be the the uh consensus that this is uh the abolish ice movement is bad for the democratic party that it could possibly cost them the election in November because uh, Republicans are going to make this, you know, uh, a, a criminal justice issue. Uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, see, we told you the leftists and Democrats uh, just want chaos. Uh, they want, you know, all criminals, all criminals here, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, and our response to that is uh, our movement is not here to prop out Democrats. Our movement is to liberate people. Uh, whether you're de- Democrat or Republican, you should be on our side, uh, regardless of the votes you may or may not receive. Uh, here locally, uh, we, we see that, you know, the timidness, uh, uh, people being hesitant uh, to say abolish ICE. Uh, our mayor, uh, Greg Fisher, came out on Monday, uh, the day the occupation began, and said that he supports us and we, no, excuse me, he supports our right to protest but that uh, ICE should be reformed. Uh, that is a bunch of BS. You know, ICE should not be reformed. ICE should be abolished. Uh, the only uh, politician that has come out here in Kentucky and support us is State Representative Attica Scott, the only black woman serving in the state legislature, I might add. Uh, she came out on, on Saturday. Uh, she was part of the Move On rally, but after we split, after we made the call of action, she joined us. And right before she joined us, uh, she got on the podium and yelled out incredibly loud, abolish ICE, abolish ICE, abolish ICE. And uh, she came out in full support of us. So if, if you know, and, and we trust her, she is a champion for the people and it's not just rhetoric. 
so what we want these Democrats, if they are going to be saying abolish ICE or whomever is going to say abolish ICE, we will hold you accountable. It's not just about saying abolish ICE, but it's actually trying to uh, change some policies, right? Uh, as, you know, uh, even the Occupy uh, movement, you know, uh, 2012, 2011 was, uh, you know, hijacked by these mainstream politicians who started using rhetoric uh, from the left, but really had no leftist policies. Uh, so, so, you know, I just really want to reiterate that our, our movement, we don't care, if, you know, about votes. We care about lives. We care about liberation, and we're doing this to liberate our people. A corollary of, of what you're saying here about the, the politics around uh, Democratic politicians um, and keeping them accountable, what have you, is what you've already alluded to in, in other interviews and in this interview as respectability politics. What, what is respectability politics? And, and again, what is, your, what is your view of that in terms of uh, uh, organizing for migrant justice in general and the direct action to occupy immigration and customs enforcement in Louisville specifically right now? Um, talk about that, uh, the notion of respectability politics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the term of respectability politics is that, you know, we are supposed to behave a certain way, you know, be assimilated in terms of, you know, the immigrant perspective or the brown perspective, assimilate into American culture, you know, dress nicely, talk politely, go to college and get your degree. And that's how you will be treated, you know, equally among white Americans. Uh, but we say to hell with that. You know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a suit. It doesn't matter if you got your Ph.D., if a police officer sees you and you're black and you're brown, they will profile you. They will kill you if they want to, as we have seen throughout uh, the nation over the years. So there is no room for respectability politics in liberation work. Uh, you know, one of the biggest, uh, you know, respectability uh, politics that Democrats and Republicans love holding on to is the issue with DREAMers and DACA, right? Because DACA recipients do not have criminal records. DACA recipients, the majority of whom either have a job or are, are college or college grads. So, you know, it plays into this uh, model, uh, model minority where, yes, this is the people we want. You know, they came here, you know, what is the phrase they say? They came here through no fault of their own. So it's the parents' fault. It's the parents who are the criminals. Let's not punish the kids, you know. And we and we're here to say there is no room for that. You know, it's all of us or, or none of us. Uh, you know, DACA is about 800 to 1 million, uh, da, uh, you know, DACA recipients when, in, you know, uh, conversely, there are 11 million undocumented individuals. Uh, th so th there is no room for that. And, you know, and within the immigrant rights movement, there is the internal debate of, uh, that's been going on for 20 years, you know, uh, is we want a comprehensive immigration reform. We want comprehensive immigration reform. People have been doing that since the 90s, since the early, early 2000s. And where has that got us? You know, uh, DACA, you know, DACA was, you know, implemented by Obama because of mass civil disobedience. Uh, you know, and that's the only reason why we got DACA. There's not comprehensive immigration reform. So the dream of comprehensive immigration reform is over for, for, for a lot of us. But there are still people within the movement who say abolish ICE is horrible. You know, abolish ICE is horrible, but yet those are the same people that, who for a couple of decades have been trying to get immigration, comprehensive immigration reform passed and has gotten us nowhere. So now what we must do 
is we dismantle the deportation machine. We must yell abolish ICE and we must yell chinga la migra. Chinga la migra means fuck immigration, <laughs> fuck immigration enforcement. Yeah, fuck, fuck yeah. I, yeah, it's Spanish. That's correct. Yeah. And and you know, and that was one of the reasons why uh, it was chosen because you know it, because it, it's it, profane. It, it, yeah, exactly, and it throws respectability politics and uh, no, on to the side. And I remember when I was in the meeting when we were first. Uh, being when this campaign of Chingala Migra was ta- being talked about, the, there was a lot of people like, if I go back home and I tell, you know, the activists that we're going to be saying Chingala Migra, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm so disrespectful. Like, Can you imagine like 65 year old grandma saying Chingala Migra? And, you know, and, and people were just like, no, my God, you know, you can't be saying that. So, you know, we were given the task of going back home to our communities and saying Chingala Migra. Uh, you know, so to see how people would react to that. And to, to that extent, when I graduated law school in May, I, I did a little action where I had a, a poster. And right when, when uh, my name was called, I had a, a, a banner, a poster that said, Dismantle Ice, Chinga La Migra. And uh, p- people, I had, I had a great reception from people because people are pissed, you know, and, and it's time for us to name, you know, our oppressor. It's time to to say uh, what, how we feel, regardless of if we're going to use profanity and regardless of the language we're going to use. The dynamic of what you've talked about a bit around respectability politics, well, we, we refer to it here sometimes as, in terms of migrant justice, good immigrant versus bad immigrant, right? Like, So the yes. good migrant or the good immigrant is somebody who, who has kids, who has a job, has no criminal record, and the mad migrant is usually a single male who um, who doesn't have those <laughs> other things and, and doesn't speak right. English you know- or... What have you? Yeah, you know, and and, and here, uh, yeah, no, absolutely right. You know, we uh, constantly hear people, oh, uh, th- this person is going to get deported. You know, that they've have two jobs and they've never committed a crime in their life. You know, or you know, it's like this person, or even the issue with uh, separation with families being separated at the border. The constant, constant, you know, argument I hear is that they're doing it the legal way. They're doing it the legal way. You know, I don't care. You know, who gives a fuck if they're doing it the legal way? They're human. You know, uh, that should not matter. You know, all immigrants come here to better their lives. You you, you know, uh, and we should treat them as a fellow human. So, yes, this good immigrant, this bad immigrant, uh, that's an issue that it's it's with inside the movement as well. Uh, People talk about, you know, well, you know, I remember when Donald Trump first came into office, people were saying, well, you know, Donald Trump is just getting rid of the immigrants with, with criminal records. And this was within the immigrant rights movement. They're saying he, he's just getting rid of criminals. You know, those are the ones that make us look bad. And it's just, you know, incredible to, to hear that from, from people, from, from you know, uh, that, that are, are in the same boat as these individuals. And, and now we're seeing that, you know, now people are saying regardless of your criminal background or not, people are going to be persecuted. Uh, I think some people are starting to see that. Here in Louisville, the police chief, Chief Conrad, I was in a panel, I regret going to the panel, by the way, a panel in regards to uh, immigrants' rights in Jefferson County and in Louisville in particular. And he was saying, he said, well, I don't know what other advice to give to immigrants except if you don't want to get deported, stop committing crimes. And it's just like, what the hell? People are, are going to get deported regardless if you think they're a bad immigrant or a good immigrant. You know, this is against all immigrants. 
it's, it's just you know it, I was beside myself every any time I hear that good immigrant bad immigrant uh, argument. Jesus, on the on the broader issues, we've we've already explored a bit. Um, you know, the wariness and making sure that that the demands represent what people actually want and don't play into cooptation by the Democrats. We've talked a bit about respectability politics. I want to enter into a third area, and you've already alluded to it earlier, which is. Uh, how we need to organize. And, and you talked about how organizing often takes place in silos um, on, on issue-based things and that that needs to be broken through and that uh, movements for the liberation of black folks and Latinx folks and poor folks and people, you know, poor whites in Appalachia, like there's a, there's a common mm. struggle and we can talk about a common struggle without erasing the specific histories of struggle that, that happen within particular cultures, particularly indigenous, black, and Latinx cultures. So could you talk about mm. that? Why did you highlight the importance of, of being able to organize um, beyond these silos? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I am part of Mi Gente Louisville, you know, and aside from being a Latinx organization who, who uh, fights for immigrants' rights, uh, we're also pro-black, you know, we're also pro-queer, uh, pro working class, pro families, you know, uh, pro poor people, and you know, and, and we do have, you know, uh, intertwined histories of oppression. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's white supremacy that you know uh, that makes a black folk, Asian folk, uh, you know, this perpetual foreigner in the United States. It's white supremacy that you know uh, that delegates uh, delegates uh, uh, black people in this country to second class citizenry. Right? It's white supremacy uh, that 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 has this divide where where you know there's poor white people who think they are better than the next uh, person of color because these politicians because this rhetoric they're hearing and we do have this common struggle. You know the the the, the struggle for uh, immigrant rights. Uh, is tied to uh, the the slave patrols, right? The the abolition of slavery, which in turn is is tied to uh, the Indian uh, Trail of Tears. It's all part of the same systemic oppression. Uh, he, here in Kentucky or in throughout the nation, there was uh, the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, you know, Martin Luther King had the Poor People's Campaign 50 years ago, and 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 they were pushing just you know exactly that: the collaboration between poor whites between black individuals, between Latinx individuals, uh, b between uh, it, the indigenous population. Uh, we, we, are, we are all affected by poverty. You know, we're all affected by env environmental justice. We're all, you know, affected by the militariz militarization of our local law enforcement. We're, you know, we're all affected by the, the prison industrial complex, right? So, so you know, it is time for us you know, to break out, out of those silos, it is very important. You know, we can no longer be just, you know, a single issue. We, we must all, you know, form, you know, I, I urge people to form this collaboration if you must form commissions. Uh, you know, here in Louisville, we're constantly meeting with Black Lives Matter Louisville. Uh, the Fairness Campaign, which is the largest LGBTQ um, advocacy group in, in, in the state, has been advocating with Mihenda, has been advocating with Black Lives uh, Louisville. We have been collaborating with unions. You know, uh, we, we are, you know, uh, talking to our folks in the uh, Appalachia region. You know, it, it is, you know, it is absolutely crucial that, that we do not forget, you know, our humanity. You know, it's absolutely crucial that, that we do not forget that we are together in this oppressive regime, that, that we are oppressed together. Jesus, uh, that's well said. 
I, uh, I want to finish just by returning to the Occupy ICE action itself. And, um, you know, there were arrests in Portland. Uh, today, it looks like uh, police are moving in in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So could you talk about the future of that movement, Occupy ICE? Obviously, the, the, the bigger picture is the day-to-day organizing that groups have always been doing and just doing that more effectively and linking up and building a movement that can engage in disruptive direct action to shut down ICE. Um, but talk about the prospects of, of, these, of this Occupy uh, situation. Is it going to spread? Um, is there a potential of, of mass arrests? Uh, talk about how, how that's looking. Well, I mean, uh, in, in terms of here in, in Louisville, um, our, our intention, um, our intention is never to, to be arrested. Uh, but if it, if it comes down to it, uh, people um, are willing to get arrested, uh, we are hoping it, it, you know, it, it spreads. Uh, we have been monitoring the situation. I know Atlanta uh, police arrested individuals last night. Uh, we we are closing on uh, monitoring that situation. We know, but you know, one way we can counter that is having more bodies by growing this movement, by growing this cohesiveness. Uh, you know, and, and in terms of the national picture, I think it's absolutely crucial that you know all these Occupy movements uh, who are working independent of one another. Uh, from some sort of union, some sort of, you know, co- cohesive, you know, national group where we are able to communicate with each other, where we are able to strategize, where we are able to see what the future holds for all these movements and how we are he- help, able to help one another or, or else, you know, uh, that this movement is going to go the same way as the Occupy movement of, you know, a, a few years back. Uh, the, I, I believe that that is how the, the movement is, is, is going to grow uh, on a national level. Jesus Ibanez, a member of Mi Gente Louisville and also a participant and organizer of Occupy Immigration and Customs Enforcement in Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us on No One's Legal Radio. Uh, no, thank you. And remember, chinga la migra. Chinga la migra, yeah. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> thank you. Take care.